Welcome to the 48th episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Kelvin Lau. He is the founder of Lucrum, a performance marketing company for direct-to-consumer brands. Kelvin went to the University of Waterloo, but he didn't finish. He worked as a software engineer for several companies, including American Express. However, he just didn't like it. He tried different things and failed a few times. He bought a great course that taught him Facebook ads and marketing. Through trial, error, and experience, he found something he loved and was good at. Interested in learning how to become an entrepreneur and making money earlier in your career? Then you are in for a lot of great advice. Listen to Kelvin's story and learn how you, too, can do it. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show is impossible without you. Let's get this show started. So today I have Kelvin Lau on the podcast. Can you give a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah. Uh, hey guys, uh, my name is Kelvin. So I'm 23 this year. Um, I went to Waterloo to study computer science. And now I went from tech to e-commerce. And now I have my own performance marketing company. I'm the founder and CEO of Lucrum. So we build and scale luxury high-end fashion brands. Uh, so I typically work with companies between $600,000 to $20 million in annual revenue. And we help them double their revenue within two years. Wow, that's interesting. So you mentioned that you know you do go to college, but you didn't finish. How'd you sort of go from that tech background to e-commerce, right? Because you've worked at several different companies. What inspired that change? So uh, when I went into university, I knew nothing about what my program even was, um, just because I come from like an Asian culture and typically Asian parents want you to go for like a steady path route. So most of my uh, family comes from a family of engineers and doctors. And uh, my mom just told me that, oh, you should be like your cousin since coming out of an undergrad for software engineering would make you 100K very easily. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Because I, I didn't really do too much research back in high school. So I went into university, did computer science for three years. And then, you know, like I was struggling, but I was still getting by. It was until 2018 when that was probably my darkest and worst year of my life. I actually, when I was starting my third year of undergrad, I lost my mom. She passed away of a sudden heart attack just on the way, just visiting me over the weekend. And then that really hit me quite hard because she was probably the closest to me in family wise. And like, she's always been the go-to person when I talk about anything related to schoolwork or personal finance or any, any sort of thing, she would be my best friend. And um, six months after that, you know, like I was really struggling. That was when it really hit me because it didn't hit me instantly. Uh, it hit me later on. I still took courses and still moved on with my life. And then I started self-reflecting of my self-choices and what I was making decisions in life. Right. And at the time I, I self-evaluated myself back in 2017, I was actually clubbing and partying like any other college student three or four times a week consistently. And what I found out that that was actually just like a, like a shell. Like I, I tried to make myself out there because I want to also improve my interpersonal skills and like kind of like get out of my comfort zone. And um, I felt like I was being someone that I was not person that I didn't enjoy that lifestyle too much because it, it was a fun experience, but I wanted to make myself numb. So I want to make myself feel like since I didn't enjoy software engineering too much, I wanted to find like an outlet. And that was my only outlet with my friends. 
Does anybody enjoy software engineering that much? <laughs> well, well, my friends do enjoy a lot. Like uh, some are very technical coders uh, just by heart, and they started programming at a very young age. I didn't really come from that background. I was more of that layback student. And going to Waterloo, it was a very, I would say, a sort of a very competitive, and sometimes it could be a very toxic culture. So from that, I didn't enjoy it at all, and I was actually looking for other ways on how exactly to make revenue or how exactly to fund my lifestyle that I wanted. I've always wanted to become like an entrepreneur, but I never really knew like which business model to follow. So typically what Kevin O'Leary would say, like in a broadcast, he talked about sometimes you got to do things that you hate to figure out what you do like. Luckily, I was able to know quickly from working at different corporate companies that I did not enjoy software engineering and I didn't want to continue for the rest of my life. So I started researching and like any normal person would, how will you make money? So I started in drop shipping. My first two or three stores literally failed as a whole. Um, I lost like five, six thousand dollars off the bat, but I would, I knew it was possible. I saw a bunch of people like, I guess, gurus or any like sort of mentors online talking about like e-commerce and it's going to be the next big thing after retail. So I really focused on like work in school, but I was still like working on e-commerce to make my first dollar online. And once I really made my first dollar within 2019, uh, I was like, damn, this is actually possible. It could be like a real life job. So then like I really dived deep into private label brands and I was able to manage from zero to 60K for revenue in four months. And then in 2020, basically this is where I looked at myself. I was like, private label brands are great, but might not be sustainable in the long run because like some of the stuff that I was not able to control in terms of like operational management. I didn't really know like um, if the products were defective or like I had no control in my reach. So then I was like, okay, let's focus on something that's more sustainable. So I started to create more systems and processes for myself, SOPs and everything. And that's where I really launched my first marketing firm to help other brands grow on a bigger scale. Now, here I am right now and um, I'm pulling in five figures a month uh, right now and we're about to hopefully aim for 100k per month by the end of this year. Nice, man. That congrats. What was your first taste of entrepreneurship? Like when did you sort of realize it? Because obviously you started it right in college. Did you ever start it earlier, like in high school, either reselling things or thinking of things? How was that like for you? No, no, never, 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 never thought about like starting my own business because I was very sheltered as a kid. And like as an Asian household growing up, uh, my mom only and still like studying 24 seven and also doing piano classes. So I was already occupied. Like I, my schedule was already packed and I felt like I was living in hell. But then after until university, when I was being exposed to so, so much like ambitious people in the same um, area as me, then I was like, okay, like, cool. Like I, I should start looking into other options. And then once I got burnt out of tech, that's where I found out about e-commerce. And then drop shipping was my first actual business i guess so what do you want to be when you were in high school honestly i didn't know man like <laughs> to be to be honest with you like i i had no like passions i had no dreams i didn't really think too much right like i, I mean back in the simpler times we would just go go to school and come back and then try to score as high as possible but i never really dived deep into like researching every program so were you a good student in high school yeah like i mean like i would get 90s Really tried my ass off, but then in university, you know how like sometimes there's like grade inflation, like from high school to like university and some schools are more, much more lenient than others. 
And my school was one of the schools that are very lenient and they focus more on sports. So when I went to university, I literally completely got destroyed. Mm, so it was like just a different level. It was just like, wow, I got to study so much harder. So, I mean, I know you're being really humble. You worked at a couple of companies. Do you mind sharing at like the type of companies that you were a software engineer slash software developer for? Yeah, sure. Most of the companies I worked for is uh, mainly front. I, I got exposure to front end, back end, and also full stack. So quite a variety of different companies, although I didn't work at too big of an organi- organization like Facebook, Google, or like any thing companies. However, uh, I think that was good on my end because I was able to realize that I didn't really like it from the beginning. Starting out, I just wanted to get more experience and get my feet wet. Uh, I worked like many different companies, like when I started out marketing and advertising, firms uh, to education technology, fortune fiber companies like American Express and financial services to IOT sensor verification companies, and finally consulting companies. And that's where I realized that I should service clients more because that way it allows me to have a broader sense of taking on many projects at once. So when do you realize that, like, I don't really like this? Because, you know, you've worked at several different companies. What Was there ever a point where you're like, all right, that's it. I can't take anymore. Or it was just like, hey, you know, you keep working at these companies and you just never, you never truly feel like this is what you want to do. How was that process for you? I've always believed in like, you shouldn't go for what you're passionate about. You should go for something that is feasible. Like if you have the intelligence to do a specific program and it will give you financial freedom or financial capability, you should do it even if you hate it. Just because I believe that once you have that starting capital, then you can start reinvest it somewhere else. So that's what I really felt about computer science. Just going into it, I knew that it was a great career. And like, no matter what, I will still force myself with persistence and consistency to push myself through the process until the end. So I knew that like, I'm going to keep working at this. But when I come back uh, nine to five, I'm still going to work like have a quick dinner and I'm going to work from 6 p.m. until like 2 a.m. Like just learning different skills, uh, trying to get outside of the box, like thinking of creative solutions and creative ideas on how exactly to focus on other streams of income. And until that worked out in terms of e-commerce and dropshipping, when I made my first dollar online, I never really gave up on like tech um, whatsoever, even though like maybe I didn't enjoy it, but I still focused on disciplining myself to actually get through the whole process until then. So how did you sort of learn these things? Did you like watch YouTube? Did you buy courses, read books? What was your methods for sort of expanding your mind? Yeah, so definitely start with like YouTube videos for sure as a resource. Eventually, I started reaching out to like specific mentors after I got exposure on the internet. Uh, people started talking about it in Facebook groups. Facebook groups is also another way to like build connections within the community of other people who have similar interests as you and are interested in learning the same topic as you. So um, basically, in the beginning, I didn't really know too much of who's legit and who is not. And in e-commerce and dropshipping, there tends to be a lot of gurus, especially like scam people who try to scam your money. And um, to be fair, like in the beginning, I got scammed a lot, uh, probably like lost like a couple thousands. And then after, eventually I found the right mentors. And what I found about like connecting with people, like if you want to learn off someone, the best way to do it is either you pay them money or you connect with them eventually, like naturally. 
So what I found out about like, if you want to connect with like real life, like influencers who might have like a huge engagement followers, like hundred K or whatever, like you should definitely DM them and ask them like, Oh, do you offer any consulting calls? I would definitely love to learn from you and like, just devote your whole heart to them. And, um, expect nothing to come back, you know, like, cause it just shows that you're very appreciative of their time. And also you respect their time, uh, that you're willing to pay for it. And oftentimes that paying, like either if you give, get value from it or not, it just builds that connection. Nice. Nice. So looking back, what would you have done differently in terms of avoiding the scams? Like now looking back, you can probably figure out like, okay, I got to watch out for this guy. This is similar characteristic. What are some red flags that you would advise people to look out for? I guess I was very impulsive, I guess, because in the beginning I was like, oh, I know this is the thing. The first person I saw online literally posting their results, I was like, oh, that guy's legit. He's making like 20K a month. Okay, I'm going to message him. But that doesn't mean like I, I should have known from like a computer science background, right? You could have inspect element and changed it on the front end. I didn't really know that. And then eventually I found out that these results were being faked, right? Like people would take these results from other feeds and then post it on their stories just to make it look like it's legit. And then they'll be like chilling at this like digital nomad lifestyle type of thing. And then like, you know, like that's a lot of beginners would definitely get trapped because like they know that, oh, th there's huge potential in here. But those are beginner mistakes that sometimes you can't avoid because emotions speak first than logic sometimes. Okay. So a lot of the other ones, they tend to give the nomadic lifestyle. I made so much money. Look at this. I made a million dollars, whatever, right? They push all that stuff. In your experience, what do the real mentors do? Like the ones do, because there are some legit people who give you a lot of value. I mean, they cost some money, but nothing too crazy. What do you find different about them? Like in their sort of their models and their presentation? So two things, they don't hard sell anything. They give more than they take. Second thing is also personality wise. Uh, they're much more easier to talk to. You can tell from their voice of tone and stuff. And they're just much more genuine, you know, like um, they're like normal people. And what I found about like even sales in general, when I was uh, making mistakes in the beginning is that don't be a robot, you know, like be a human. That's literally the best sales tip that I got from my uh, mentor is like, be help, be a human. Don't be a robot because you want to sound genuine. You don't want to sound like you're just some guy who got outsourced, uh, you know, like a VA. And then you create this like really fake imagery of your feed on Instagram. And that really helps uh, to establish like better partnerships and better like credibility as well. How'd you sort of find these Facebook groups? Did you search up like drop shipping? How'd you just, you sort of started and you go down the rabbit hole? How does that work? Yeah, pretty much. I searched on like Google, sometimes like uh, e-commerce groups, uh, Facebook groups to join. Anything that popped up, I would literally type in e-commerce, the keywords or dropshipping, Shopify, any specific keywords related to e-commerce, type into the Facebook search. And then um, any any results that come up, you basically take that and then you add, 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 add. How has this industry changed over time? Because I know like there was a time, I think 2014 to 2017, dropshipping was easy, right? You get a store competition was low. I think in the last two, three years, competition has significantly increased. I think even the cost of Facebook ads and, you know, marketing for that area had just generally has shot up. Is that true? And what are some other things that you've sort of seen? Over time, uh, since like Facebook ads has shot up is obviously because like a lot of people are understanding what dropshipping is. And since it's such a low barrier and low capital of entry, typically a lot of beginners, even like people who are working like, um, nine to five jobs or still in school, jump on board. And later what they really find out is that 
the Facebook journey is very tough because you often face with payment processor problems getting hold by PayPal once you start getting like high amount of orders and you have to switch into a third party payment processor. Second problem is also figuring out Facebook ads is a beast. Facebook ads is not an easy mission to overcome. Back in 2014 and even earlier, earlier days of Facebook, you had a lot of real estate in terms of what you could control and how you would target audiences. And nowadays, because of privacy issues and also like Facebook's getting sued by FTC and also dealing with a lot of government in the US, that's starting to affect what Facebook can provide for their advertisers. Back in the day, you would be able to target specific household incomes and like specific statuses that like, um, it might be sound a bit creepy, I guess. Like some people might be like, oh, I literally saw this yesterday. Why does it pop up on my feed? Or like, I literally saw this. I was trying to buy this and now like I'm getting a retargeting ad that is offering a discount. You know, it, it started getting pretty invasive into people's um, personal life. So those factors uh, definitely increased competition and made it much more hard to make it e-commerce and dropshipping. Uh, one other thing is also back in the day, like um, since the Facebook algorithm was very easily to be utilized and like you could have different bots to push up your ads engagement and ranking. Now it's a lot more corrected with the AI algorithm and like ML and stuff. So um, it's much harder to produce engagement. And my word of tip for beginners is focus on your creatives. Creatives is definitely the most powerful thing. It doesn't even matter what audiences you're targeting, uh, the scaling budgets and everything. It doesn't really matter like who you target as long as the ad looks great and also the ad copy is engaging. That's what people look for. How long was the course? Because uh, you, you took a course on Facebook ads and how long was it? Yeah, it was a uh, six week mentorship program as well as like a one-on-one one-on-one uh bi-weekly call with the mentor it didn't really help me too much i felt like a lot of the stuff that they talked about was easily searchable but they just collected into like one whole like category collection of information so that will be way easier to like read and go through like it's like a curriculum type of thing it's not really like what i found about is like mentors like are helpful if you're a super beginner and you really want to learn the foundation of it. But if you want to learn about advanced topics, there's only so much to learn in marketing besides understanding your market research and competitor analysis. A majority comes from basically spending money. You know, like once you start spending at high amounts of budgets at like 20K, 50K, 100K, then you will start understanding how exactly to sustain that ROAS. Because Spending $500 and creating a 5X ROAS versus spending $5,000 and getting a 5X ROAS are two different, completely different things. Yeah. And for the audience, ROAS is return on ad spend, just for those of you who don't know. So if you spend $1, typically I think it's like you want to make like around $4, right? That's typically a good amount of return because you want to get your money back. You want to have some, you want to pay for expenses, you want to pay for the product. So you mentioned you had a couple stores that failed. Do you mind sharing like what type of stores they were? And do like kind of looking back, can you kind of share into detail? Like, why do you think you failed? Yeah, yeah. So back in the day, I was like thinking, oh, wow, like dropshipping the model is great because like you get to test with so many different products without even ordering the product, right? Like you only ship to customers once there is a customer that is interested in your product, right? So then I was like, okay, how do I maximize my chances so that I get the most number of sales. So as any beginner would think of, they'll be like, okay, I'll just do it very broad, you know, a very general store. I'll have like a pet niche, like an electronic niche, 
like a home and beauty and furniture and everything. Literally, you're like Walmart. You're trying to sell everything, right? And then like that's good if like you're able to, you know, have a lot of like customers already driven to your website. But when you're a new store, like it's like so many categories and so many creatives that like you don't even know how to keep track of your products. It's better to focus on a niche and then like once it might be too small, but once you know that there is a market fit for that product, then you start expanding further out. So you look at your product and you're like, okay, maybe I'm targeting socks, right? And then uh, unisex socks, and then you can start targeting males and females and start broadening it out from that one little product category that you first initially started. So what were the stores that you sort of started? You, it was just general all over the place? Yeah, the first store was general all over the place. I wanted to be like, get as much exposure as possible, but like that failed completely. But that was also in the electronics niche. So I was like focusing on like iPhone uh, cables, iPhone cases, uh, Android cases and Android uh, cables. Right. And then that, that didn't really make me too many sales. I did get a couple of sales, but it wasn't enormous and I was not profitable. Second store. Um, and then what I later found out is that the CRO, which in terms of conversion rate optimization, which is things that are on your site that needs to be optimized. Uh, you have to A-B test different creatives and different product descriptions. The buttons, if they're too big or too small for like visual appearance to the user, that has to be tested thoroughly as well. So that really affects whether or not your website will convert. So even though you might be optimizing for click-through rates and, and you're getting a high amount of people, people driving from Facebook ads to your website, you still have to optimize for add to cart and initiate checkout on purchase, right? So like every funnel during the way, you have to make sure that the customer experience is flawless and the website page load speed is as fast as possible. So you use the Facebook ads, you drive the creative, right? And you test different things on creative, right? That's the first battle. Then what type of site do you use? Is it a Shopify site? Yep. Okay. How'd you sort of learn Shopify? <laughs> I mean, with the tech background, it's pretty simple. It's just drag and drop. Uh, but majority of the time, like if you don't really know, you can search up on YouTube with a crash course. And there's a lot of helpful resources online. Uh, or you could join like Shopify groups on Facebook. So it's pretty easy to uh, once you get your hands wet and also during the trenches. What are sort of like the other mistakes that you sort of made? You mentioned you sort of tried to do things general. You had the college phase where you were trying to sort of make up for something. What are some other mistakes that you've made that you kind of look back and it's like, I wasn't doing the right thing or I could have done things better? I think uh, relationships with people. That's a big one in terms of like friendship and stuff. Um, a lot of times I would be avoidant to face the actual real problem of what I was doing. And sometimes I would just tend to be ignorant about it and try to avoid problems instead of figuring things out there and then on the spot. So communication is key. If you thoroughly communicate with others, I'm pretty sure that would save so many marriages and they wouldn't have to divorce in general, you know? So like in terms of relationships and like friendship and also family that applies thoroughly in my lifestyle um, a lot, because there's a lot of times that I've been putting myself in a very awkward situation uh, where I ha had to either like go someone or like they ghost me or like it's a very awkward or there's a lot of tension. We don't, typically like um, directly face the situation and we just leave it. Hopefully one day it figures out. And I think that that, that was a big problem back then. And now I try to be much more transparent, you know, like uh, don't really try to hide anything as well. I guess like genuine is definitely the biggest thing I learned in sales. Um, you know, just you want to be a true person. You don't want to fake everything. 
So how'd you sort of learn sales? Again, resources, books, like where'd you learn that? Yeah, so I definitely bought like my uh, mentor's course for that. We had like it's also another like two month program for that. It was just a one on one mentorship. And that really taught me what exactly how to create systems, how to create processes, how to create SOPs, which is systems of processes. Basically, it's a documentation of specific little actions that for example, like onboarding, uh, billing system, also how to outreach, how to close to clients, how to even land clients. Those are a process that you have to create for yourself that is replicable, right? So like when you create systems, that is what brings you money. Systems could be replicated and outsourced or like uh, start to hire for people. Because once you take on like an employee or a contractor, they have to look at something that is easily trainable. And typically people go through these little steps in your organization. So I think that really helped me uh, a lot in terms of understanding a strong concept of what exactly is operational management, because from like an engineering perspective, I don't learn any of that. What we learn in school is technical knowledge of algorithms and like, how do you even create OP, which is object oriented programming for those who don't know uh, how to create best practices of writing code. So very low level stuff that we don't really know in terms of like high level strategy on how exactly to run a company and how to manage all these moving parts within the organization. That's good. Now, obviously, you don't make all the mistakes, right? You did a lot of things right, because a lot of people, they still, despite getting mentored, despite doing that, what are some other things that you kind of see that people mess up on that you sort of were able to avoid? Because I, you know, I've seen people, they buy course after course, they try after try, and they really just don't get it for whatever reason. What are some things that you kind of see people repeatedly do and it's holding them back, especially now in 2021? I think the biggest two things is one is um, they spend too much time banging their uh, heads on the same brick wall and they don't understand when to actually pull out and when to start doing something differently. Because a lot of times when you buy courses, right, they're, they're from like a mentor or like someone who's looked highly upon and you sometimes regard this person as like, oh, he's like the God, you know, like he, he's like the Jesus or something. But in marketing is like what works for you might not work for someone else. And it's about like applying all the little, little details that you learn as you go and you formulate into one like full equation that works specialized for you. I think that that helps a lot in terms of thinking outside of the box and sometimes like don't be pinned down onto like, you have to follow someone's path just because they said so. Second thing is also understanding to like when to meet the right people. Like, as I mentioned before, Facebook groups is a great way of finding yourself um, and connecting with others who are similar minded to you. And sometimes you just have to be very aware of like other people who are trying to scam you. So make sure you do your research, do your due diligence, search them up on Google, make sure that they have proper reviews and also the last thing, uh, the third thing that just popped up to mind is taking action, right? So like knowledge is knowledge, but at the end of the day, if you don't use it, it's still in your head and you don't really know it. I would recommend like doing it. Don't bother like figuring every single little step of the way. So coming from an engineering perspective, that was like my biggest roadblock. I started like panicking about like little details on my website. Like is the website domain good what brand or logo should i pick out you know like you're so stuck up on perfectionism and that is what stops you from succeeding because you think way too much and sometimes you start to doubt yourself as well so like it's much more doing than actually thinking i also think that um 
in terms of what ifs, like a lot of people ask, oh, what if like this client thinks that my site doesn't look professional? What if, do I even need a website? Do I even need this or that? Don't bother thinking all of the what ifs. Don't think about worst case scenario, just do it. And eventually problems will start coming up and you just got to figure it out on the spot. And it's kind of funny how your mindset works as well, because subconsciously, like sometimes like going from like a corporate nine to five job. And let's say you hear people saying that you want to make 50K or 100K a month. It kind of sounds like very ridiculous because you see it as if like, how are you going to make $1.2 million as like 100K a month agency? That's not how you should be thinking things. Like you should be segmenting like month by month because a business is exponential. A business is not stagnant every single month. You have ups and downs that you have to face along the road and you just got to figure it out there and then. Once you really want it, you'll always find a solution to make it there um, or you will find the right person to help you along the way. Now, how'd you end up sticking to performance marketing, right? Because you obviously started in the dropshipping area. You're one of the few that I kind of see focus on the performance marketing area, right? You kind of realize like, dropshipping for whatever reason you don't want to do it how'd you sort of figure out like hey performance marketing is where you want to stay i I wouldn't say that that is something i want to stay the reason why i transitioned over is just that i didn't see dropshipping as sustainable income it's good to test products and understand foundational concepts of marketing but performance marketing is where i'm able to juggle with way different more projects and invest myself in mission-driven founders that i want to be part of their mission as well to succeed, right? So I, I like to invest myself in operate brands that I only believe that will succeed. I don't even bother reaching out to people that have no potential or they they don't really have a set in stone uh, vision of how it's going to look like in 12 months. When it goes back to your question, it's kind of like I, I look, why I decided to go into performance marketing is that it has the most similarities of where I came from a technical background. So from a technical background, we often look at best average and worst case scenarios, edge cases, and also analyze specific metrics in terms of like, is this scalable? You know, like how do we build systems and processes in place so that we can scale this to a bigger scale for other companies? So that that is where I got my interest in terms of like, I really love service delivery for these brands that first of all, I believe in what they do. Second of all, I love working with fashion brands as my hobby and my passion. And that really drives me every single day when I wake up in the morning. So basically helping them go through the process of how to get them to the next step. Because a lot of these business owners are successful themselves. They already made great accomplishments. It's just that they need the extra push, right? So like understanding from like a KPI standpoint and like understanding how to analyze with very minimal data is what I really interest because like with a software engineering background, I love big data, big data analysis, maybe not really the super low level technical details, but I do really want to understand how to make engaged high level decision-making based on very little data. And I'm able to extrapolate these data in the future. Let's kind of take it back. When you were sort of in the software engineering and you kind of saw these people doing really well or, you know, doing a lot better than you because whatever, it came easier. How did it make you feel and how'd you sort of get over that? I just told myself that from day one that there will always be someone better than you, right? No matter what you do in life, there will be someone better than you and you just got to eat it up. You know, like you got to suck up your ego. Sometimes like people will be naturally smart at one thing and it doesn't mean that you're stupid. 
It just means that it might not be right for what you're currently doing, but don't get stuck into it. It really hits a lot of people's mentalities in terms of like, oh, I'm not too good enough for this cohort in engineering class, or like, uh, I can't compete with my peers. And uh, don't feel the need to compare yourself with others, because that's just going to make you feel worse. And you're not going to accomplish more things in life. And that's also going to be slowing you down in terms of like creating more friction for yourself. So what I found work best for me is that focus on the main task that you're currently doing. Don't be you know that you're not not going to be an expert in it because like maybe you're just not too technical in my my case then i just started focusing on a different skill finding a skill level or like finding a different skill that produces cash and and also like being super good at that skill just find something that like you're passionate about and just nail it in every single aspect of that subject and think about how to combine the current skills you have with your expert skills and once you combine those two, you can definitely dominate that niche. What are some trends you sort of see in the future of Facebook ads and dropshipping, right? Because that's an industry that's changing so fast and it's a very hot industry, right? Every time, you know, I met you on the Clubhouse app and you always see those things on dropshipping. And it's funny because I always get a lot of people who are like, I don't reach out to anyone to be on my podcast in the dropshipping space because I know there are so many who can really fake things, right? Just like you said, you can fake the numbers, you can fake the screenshots, and then you make money off the courses, and then you sort of use that. But the people are under you don't really get the results. What sort of trends do you kind of see in the future? Trends in the future, I definitely think that once iOS 14 update comes out uh, with the Apple update, it will greatly affect Facebook ads. And that will definitely have a huge hit on dropshippers. So for dropshippers, like, right now i would suggest them to build a community because like typically when you do dropshipping, you don't have a community you don't have loyal customers or repeat buyers coming to your website all you have is just newly acquired customers that are impulsive buyers that just saw your ad and they want to purchase there and then dropshippers typically don't care about customer retention they typically don't care about optimizing for cpa they only care about how exactly do i scale my as long as i get two or more purchases on a specific asset i'm going to start like like doubling down on this ad set and like start doing all that like ad structure and stuff like that. Definitely like if you don't want iOS 14 to hit you that hard um, with the lack of data that Facebook will be able to monitor on a daily basis anymore, make sure that you build a community and find customers who will be engaging in maybe a Facebook uh, community that you create or Discord that you create so that you can still connect with your customers on a personal level and they will still come back to your website to purchase. What would you say was your biggest accomplishment? And so far, right, you're young. What sort of stands out? What are you sort of most proud of? One is like getting through the things that I hate. So piano, I didn't like at all until the last level because the whole time through my piano journey, uh, my piano teacher didn't believe in my skills and he didn't let people go out in the real world and get hit by very tough piano examiners. So he taught me like that, look, this is reality. You're shit, man. And you got to figure out your skills. And eventually, once you, you're good enough, then I will put you in the real world and you can start competing against people, which in the last last level I was able to do. And I started winning like first, second place and constantly every single time when I go in competition. So that was a great motivator for me and understanding getting through the things that I hate allowed me to understand what is consistency, what is persistence and what is discipline. My second proud accomplishment is also 
computer science, even though I did not finish. Um, <laughs> but um, basically, that whole um, learning curve made me able to understand technical abilities. Technical is very important because um, it allows you to think what is feasible and what is not feasible. It really clears you up in terms of what is a dream and what is actually sustainable. Because Kevin O'Leary also said that if your business is not making traction within three years, it's just a dream and it's just a hobby. The, the truth about business is how do you make your CPA costs lower than your lifetime value? Often, a lot of times, just burn themselves out and you burn all your capital out just making sure that you get sales, but you're not profitable and you don't get viral traction. That is the biggest mistake that a lot of new beginner entrepreneurs make in their business careers. That is the reason why a lot of business fail. Now, what's like the typical salary range for both your industries? Like what's for the software engineering roles? What type, what's a normal salary for that? For those types of roles that you had, if you don't mind sharing, what's the range? In terms of the positions I worked yeah, for? Yeah, the positions you had or positions similar. What Like what's the range that you kind of see? Um, typically around like, I, I didn't really go for like the fan companies. So meteor companies still paid decently well, uh, roughly around like 25 to like 40 an hour for internship positions. Like, by the way, they're all interested internship positions, not full time, but I have seen rare, uh, cases. If you work at big four or like uh fang or HRT companies, they typically pay over 70 to like a hundred dollars an hour for internships. Yep. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Now, what about for like drop? Well, drop shipping it goes all over the place, right? So, what, what's like the drop shipping that you kind of see is normal? Um, drop shipping normal is typically people are around like ten to thirty k with profit margin of like thirty percent. That is typically the average industry standard. A lot of people are not able to scale it further than that because they don't understand how this customer retention work. Uh, a lot of people focus only on the customer acquisition and only limit themselves to one channel. Mm, interesting, interesting. So. The successful dropshippers, they sort of focus on multi-channel, they build a brand, they build that community to break past that 30K a month range. Correct, correct. So so initially, dropshippers uh, would definitely test out a product, make sure there's a market fit for it before they start investing in actual inventory uh, or like warehousing and stuff like that, making sure that you have like a great product. You would actually order the product from the manufacturer, investigate that there's no flaws in the product, uh, making sure that it's not defective before you actually send it to the customer. Because when you start to create a brand, your customer success and also your, in terms of like your reviews and stuff matter the most. And the feedback score, you definitely don't want to have that under four out of five. Once you get below that, uh, you're pretty much untrustable, uh, not worthy to be trustworthy. Like basically not trustworthy. untrustworthy. Yeah, basically like just don't fall under four out of five. Over the years, you know, you've worked with various people, you've worked with various clients. How do they sort of describe you? I think, um, I mean, they describe me as like very genuine and like, I, I guess like I try to come off as like, it's only been 11 months since like I've worked with like these fashion brands, but typically people like the transparency that I give them and the honest honesty is matters the most because it's better to give them like the hard truth in terms of like what they're currently doing wrong but still making sure that you're doing it in a professional manner, right? Because like typically uh, founders are caught up with what they really believe in, what works and what doesn't, but that's always their gut instinct, you know? And what 
from a marketing side perspective and performance marketing, we only look at the numbers and the KPIs. And oftentimes what I see a lot of founders make mistakes is that they sometimes they think that specific creatives or specific products might sell better than others. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like what you think are winners might become dogs and the dogs will become winners. So make sure that you definitely test out every single possible um, component of your funnel and your products to make sure that you don't have yourself like any outage, any revenue that could be lost from it. Now, what are your future goals? Because right, you're young, you're just getting started. What are your sort of future goals? What do you sort of want to accomplish in the future? What are some future projects that you're sort of looking for? Yeah, for sure. So right now, I'm just planning to nail down my service delivery, give great results for my clients. Typically, I don't really work too many clients at once. Uh, typically, I want to be between the five to 10 client range. Uh, just a boutique firm that I really focus and believe in their brands. I don't want to overfill myself with too many work uh, and too many clients. Then it starts to be, become a mess once you can't uh, deliver results. And uh, I don't want to become like a big agency or whatsoever. I just want to give myself that once I hit the 100K mark uh, per month, then I'm going to reinvest some of my capital back into creating actually sustainable brands. And one of the brands is going to be a personal fashion line. I'm planning to look into the luxury high-end apparel brand. So I see a lot of gap that a lot of there's not a lot of brands out there that actually source rare raw materials and actually make it hand by hand. A lot of it's just like being shipped elsewhere from another, like for example, China or like Hong Kong, and it's already being made and they just slap their logo onto it. And a lot of people don't really focus on like the logistics and understanding, uh, is the product even good? You know, like does the sizing everything correct? So like one, one model that I look up greatly upon is a Kings New York. He has an amazing brand. He's 23 years old and he started out, uh, sewing his own clothing and then eventually led into like a multi-million dollar business. He focuses on uh, J-shaped denim jeans. So basically he saw a market, a gap in the market and his, his friend shared it on Reddit and it just blew up and it just went viral from there. Definitely want to create another brand that is for influencer marketing because that's actually popping in like 2022 and like beyond because a lot of influencers and celebrities are starting to utilize Instagram to start monetizing off their followers and also producing a personal brand for themselves. So I definitely want to have like a viral brand that if I I could create anything unique would be great. And then using those three brands, I plan to reinvest into creating a tech company once I'm in my thirties. And then using that tech company, I'm going to reinvest into a VC fund. So in other words, a venture capital fund where I'm able to uh, write checks to high growth potential startups in the D2C space. So checks that might go from 250K to $2 million, depending on do they have a lot of potential. And I want to see them grow because I've been in the trenches previously and I just want to them, I just want them to succeed and build great brands for the alpha generation. Nice, man. I look forward to following your journey. I definitely see you accomplishing and I mean, you're starting off great and, you know, I definitely see you keeping up the path. So how would people get in contact with you? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm pretty active on um, LinkedIn. Uh, just send me a request if you want to connect with me. I'm pretty happy to share any value or like I'm very transparent in terms of what I can offer to you guys. And also like um, Instagram is great, too. I try to keep myself on the low key, like publicity type of thing. But I. I'm on, I'm pretty active on social media, so you can reach me on uh, Instagram as well. Okay. So I'll drop those links in the show notes. 
thank you so much for sharing all that knowledge, sharing your experience and kind of just being raw and vulnerable and kind of sharing the story. You know, I wish you the best. And I know the audience got a lot of value out of this episode. Cool. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for your time. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree inc. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com. Yeah, so you got no degree, no problem, no problem, any problem, we can solve them. We got this. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing, wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem, any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing and knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem, any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing and knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going.